The following message is from Grace City Church in Ottawa. For more information, please visit gracecity.ca. What we want to present before you, church, this morning is our vision as a church. And as I was saying, uh, over the past few years, it's been hard to, uh, to, to rally a church around a vision because so much of the past few years has been about just kind of holding firm, right? And, 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 and just kind of holding, holding ground. I don't even mean that in any sort of church metric way. I just mean individually. It's just like, oh, just, just God, just hold on to me right here where I am because it feels like there's just so much kind of being blown around me, so much being blown around us with all that has been happening. Uh, so we decided during that time, no, we're not, we're not going to bring a, a, a big vision before the church then because I, I think we felt as though for many in the church, it would just be hard to receive then because there's been a lot of exhaustion, and, and we acknowledge that. There's been a lot of pain. There's, there's, it's been necessary for a lot of recuperation. For many who are here, that is still the case, and, and we get that. But we do believe that God has led us into a time where it is good. You know, without, without vision, the people perish, right? It is good for us as a people to have vision set before us, and a vision that is not born of man, but a vision uh, that comes from God. What is it that God wants for his people? What is it that God wants for this people, for Grace City Church? And that's what I'm wanting to bring to you uh, this morning on behalf of the leadership team. We have mission and we have vision. They're, they're, they're a little bit different. Mission speaks about why we exist and vision speaks about our aspirations, where we want to go. Uh, vision usually has a time frame in mind as well. And this morning, we're going to spend a little bit more time on the vision that we're setting before you, but just to recap, the mission of Grace City Church that we set out many years ago, the mission of Grace City Church is to help people follow Jesus, to raise leaders, and to start churches. That, that, that's the answer to the why do we exist as a church? We, we do all of that for the glory of Jesus Christ. In fact, I feel that that detail is so key that there have been times that I've thought we actually need to rework this mission statement a little bit. I, I still feel that a bit, and we may do that in the future, but I still hope you hear the spirit of it, okay? The mission of Grace City Church, the, the, the why of why do we exist is to help people follow Jesus, to raise leaders, and to start churches, and to start churches. The vision, the vision that we're setting before the church today, okay, is this, is this exciting? Is it? Come on, Ottawa people. Is this, this is like, this is, this, is, this is cool. This should be exciting. I'm excited about this. That's why I'm sitting down, okay? This, this is good. This is good, all right? The vision of Grace City Church is to serve our city by having a full-time home to call our own by 2024. Oh, now you're getting excited. This is cool, right? To be a church of 250 disciples by the end of 2025, all as we build towards, towards planting new churches in Canada by 2030. Mm -hmm. Just going to leave that up on the screen for a minute. Okay. There we are. Look at this. Cameras are coming out. People are applauding. Oh, this is great. I'm just going to enjoy this. Enjoy this. For, yeah, job done. Worship team, come back up. Um, I want you to know that for us as a team, again, this is not a vision that is born of us sitting down and just thinking, oh, what, what, what might sound good or what might, what might make three people get their cameras out on a Sunday morning during, during our service? No, it's like, God, what is it that you're doing with us? Where is it that you want this to go? 
And the reason for that is, is church, please hear this. This belongs to Jesus. This is not mine. This is not yours in an individual sense. This belongs to Jesus Christ. We belong to Jesus. We are his cherished possession. So it's only right that we come before him and say, Jesus, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, where, what do you want for us? What do you want for your church? And we can ask that in a, in a global sense, and that's a good question to ask. But of course for us, it's, it's us here locally. This local expression of the church of Jesus Christ, of the bride, this local body, Grace City Church. God, what is it that you want for us as your people? And what do you want over the short to medium term? And, and that's what this vision is that we're putting before you. Now, we're going to unpack this over the next few weeks in as much detail um, as we can. So please keep coming back over these next few weeks as, 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 as we keep going through this and kind of honing in on each one of these sections. Even as I introduce this to you right now, it could be that you're looking at some things here and, and you already have questions. Wonderful. Wonderful. Keep listening. Come with your questions. Ask your questions. It could be that as we move forward, we have to tweak this a little bit. It could be that there's something that we've, that we've missed or something, hey, let me tie this in with what I was saying a few minutes ago, something that God will say through you that, that we will hear and go, we really need to receive this. Okay, there's, there's some flexibility in this. We want God to continue to speak, but we're going to keep going into detail in this over the next few weeks so that we can really just kind of get this flowing through our veins as a church. But for right now, just, just for a few minutes, I, I just want to hit on this fairly briefly this morning, okay? In Matthew chapter 20 and in Mark chapter 10, Jesus, Jesus Christ himself said that the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus saying that. Jesus saying, look, I didn't show up here. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who has always existed in the, with the Father, okay, the one in whom and for, th for whom all things were created. You get my point, okay? That Jesus said, I've not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus said. So it only makes sense that the church, the bride of Jesus, should be given to service as well, right? Now we as a church, as Grace City Church, we want to serve our city. Uh, we use that language because service to the city can encompass many different things. It certainly must encompass service to the poor. It must. Okay? It must. You can't get away from that from the New Testament in life in the early church. We want to grow in that as a church. And we're going to hear more about that next week. Uh, Francis is going to speak to us. And this is something that he and his wife, Rachel, uh, live out day to day from their home in Centertown, the way they, they, the way they have uh, set up their lives in the city. And this, this is just part of their DNA. It's just part of who they are. And they're such a gift to us as a church. And I've asked Francis if he can speak on this next week and unpack this for us. Okay? But we want to grow in this as a church. But as a church that has, for the past seven years, rented our Sunday gathering spaces, it's been challenging for us to do that as a body. 
Now, look, we don't need to get weird about this. Of course we know that you don't need to own or lease a church building in order to serve. Of, of course we're aware of that. But we also recognize contextually that there are many advantages to having a facility where the entire church can gather at times and can be mobilized for service, where the entire church can gather at times and worship. Where the, here's a novel thought, where the entire church can gather at times to pray. We are so desperate for that. It, it's, we love the Mayfair. We love that they've allowed us to come for well over a year now. We love it. But we also recognize that it's challenge, like church-wide prayer gatherings have proven challenging. Just need to be honest about that. All right? But all of these things help us in service. All of these things help us live out uh, what our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, came to do himself. And in fact, what he is still doing, Jesus is still serving us, even right now as he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Okay? We don't believe that it's a requirement to have a building. No way, no way. This, this is the church. The church is the body. It's not these four walls. Okay? But we also recognize contextually here in Ottawa, we do believe that this would greatly help us as we seek to serve our Lord and Savior and as we seek uh, to serve each other and the city around us. Why 2024? Uh, we feel there is an urgency to this. We are finding increasingly uh, here that that's being able to serve children and young families well, it's tricky. I mean, those kids, bless them. Like, we, we run a kids' ministry in a sweet shop. <laughs> like, you think you've got temptation in your life, right? Like, imagine them back there. They're, they're back there trying to learn about Jesus, and there's like rows of Skittles and Starburst and all of these things. Like, it's tough. And God bless the Mayfair for even letting us use that room, right? But it's tricky. It's tricky. We're doing the lunch after the service today, and, and we'll be packed kind of back in that that corridor, and it'll be wonderful, but it's tricky, it's tricky, okay? So we do feel that there's an urgency to this. We, we do feel that the time has come to grab a hold of this, to seek God on it, and to trust that he is going to provide. We also recognize that the by 2024 piece, that's ambitious, uh, we, we know, we know, but we worship a big God, and we believe that it's right to pursue this. What about being a church of 250 disciples? Uh, by the end of 2025. I don't want us to get our backs up about this number, okay? Um, I've been on a real journey with numbers in my time in church leadership and, and ministry. Numbers can be a blessing and numbers can be a curse, okay? We, numbers need to be handled with care, but we can fall off the horse on both sides. I, I, I love that expression because I, I imagine myself falling off a horse on either side. That just image is just funny to me. But we can go so to one extreme where we're just driven by numbers you know, by Sunday attendance, by life group attendance, by baptism numbers, where that becomes the metric where we just gauge all of our successes and we can just be crushed by that. But we can also fall off the horse on the other side where it's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Numbers don't matter. And I, I think we need to find a healthy balance, okay? There's a book in the Bible called Numbers. <laughs> so I think the numbers do matter. Every one sat here. I don't know how many we have here this morning, but each one of you have a soul, okay, that will go on for eternity. We live in a city with over a million people. I, I think there's, I do think there's a healthy way that we can talk about numbers, but notice that we've not said that we want to be a church of 250 just full stop, as if that's just like bums in seats, okay? That's not what we're going for. We want disciples of Jesus Christ, we want followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus called us in Matthew chapter 28 to go and to make 
disciples, okay? It's not even go and make converts. Like, get your mind around that. Like, it's not, it's not just go and lead people in the sinner's prayer and then great, job done. No, go and make disciples. That's a lot more involved. That involves commitment. That involves messiness. Go and make disciples. We want to be a church of 250 disciples by the end of 2025. Uh, we recognize that being a church of 250 disciples, prob- well, it does mean, we want it to mean being a church of more than that many people because we want many among us to be in, on that journey. We want, and there are some here this morning, we, we know that. Every Sunday there are people with us who have not given their lives to Jesus yet. And we love, we love that they're here. I was going to say, we love that. No, we don't love that you've not given your life to Jesus yet, but we love that you're here if that's you. We do. We always want people among us who have not yet given their lives to Jesus because that means that, that, that we're, um, we're having a hearing with people in our city who have not yet responded to the good news of Jesus Christ. And we want you to know if that's you, you're, we really mean it when we say that you're welcome here. So 250 disciples, being a church of 250 disciples means uh, being a church that numerically will be bigger than that, uh, but we want to have at least that many people that are like, Jesus, I, I'm, I am yours. I am yours. All that I have is yours. And, and, and being discipled, hopefully discipling others as well, disciple-making disciples, this is what we want to be pursuing. How do we measure discipleship? Well, that's a huge question, uh, but one way is by looking for growing evidence of regeneration, okay? People acknowledging sin in their lives and, and confessing it. When they do, that being met with grace, not being met with condemnation from others, okay? And uh, being able to, um, sorry, that's, the kids okay, babe? You know? Our, our kids? Okay, sorry, I just see my wife going to the back and Sometimes half of the kids' ministry uh, belongs to me and Natalia in terms of children. So I'm just, excuse me as I just have a father moment there. Um, I forget what I was saying. But anyway, I'm sure it was very important and really good. <laughs> um, how, how do we measure discipleship? Uh, yeah, evidence of regeneration. That's what I was saying, okay? So uh, confessing sin, uh, growing in God together, Desiring spiritual gifts, what I was speaking about a few minutes ago, that would be that would be a really uh, helpful way to measure that as well. I don't mean I don't mean measure like scorecard. That's not what I mean, but just evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work. Okay, um, all as we build towards planting new churches in 2030 uh, in Canada by 2030. Let me speak about this just for a moment. Uh, Grace City Church was planted out of a church uh, south of London, England, at the time called Church of Christ the King. That's where an Italian I met. Uh, it's in a city called Brighton that I moved to uh, many years ago. Uh, I grew up in New Brunswick, but then moved to Brighton to study my postgraduate degree and, and uh, got involved in the church there. God spoke to that church about being a church-planting church. And the first church in that season of church life that was planted out as a church called Liberty, Liberty Church uh, Amsterdam, led by Matt and Joe Simmons. And then the second church was Grace City Church. So Natalia and I moved to Ottawa in, in late 2015 and then gathered 10 people in our living room in early 2016. That first gathering with those 10 people uh, in the room, I think half of which were like, it was like my dad and somebody else that I knew in Ottawa, and there were probably a couple pets there that we counted. Like it was a really, really fragile gathering. But even in that first gathering, we said, we want to be a church planting church. Like we said it from day one. And I gotta, I, I'm going to be really honest with you in this. There have been times over the past seven years where I've gone, uh, I've gone, God, are you sure? 
because man, this seems hard. <laughs> like it, it, we, we, there have been times over the past seven years where I felt like, God, it feels like we're struggling just to get foundations established for one, let alone for you to send us into other cities. Um, but I, I have, even very recently, I have felt God challenging me in this, and he's done it through a number of ways. One of the ways is through the team that we've gathered that we're gonna tell you more about uh, in the family meeting later on. Um, when we were chatting these things through, um, those people said to me, Rich, don't lose sight of this. Don't, don't give this away. Don't not run with this. Like, we gotta keep holding on to this. And those of you who said that, you know who you are. And I just wanna honor you and thank you for doing that. But even recently, I heard somebody speak. I was on a Zoom call this past week, and somebody put language to something that I found really helpful. It was a leader in a, of a church in, uh, up in Scotland, and um, he was saying, uh, sharing about some leadership challenges that he had been through over the past year and a half. But he was speaking about this very thing. He said, what I've noticed is that many in leadership, when they hit hard times or go through hard seasons, they, they, they're used to living in the tension of, of holding a vision that God has given them, which if, when it's from God, it's always a big vision, okay? Always. It's always a big vision, okay? They're used to holding that, but also with the reality of today, of, of waking up with the constraints and limitations of today, okay? And I, I found that really helpful because I feel like there's often that I and others live in that. But he, then he said this, listen to this, this is the important part. He said, what I've noticed often happens is that often in disillusionment or disappointment, people, often leaders, will adjust their vision to fit what they perceive to be their new reality. They will adjust their vision. What he's saying is they will make the vision smaller to fit what they perceive to be the new reality. And I just had this moment of going, God, have I done that? Or am I at risk of doing that? And I've just felt God saying to me and saying to us again, don't lose the big vision of what I have given to you. And in that sense, what I'm particularly referring to is being a church planting church, okay? being a church planting church, all right? We don't, church, we don't wanna lose that, okay? Because we believe that that is from God, okay? So, it's a long journey for us. There's a lot that he's doing to prepare us. There's been a lot that he's been doing in me to, for whatever role he would have for me and for other leaders in the church in that, but we do believe that this is something that God has spoken over us, okay? How does this all happen? How is this all possible? The answer may surprise you, but I believe it's completely consistent with what we see in Scripture. This happens in a way that is very different to what we see in the world when it comes to seeing big visions realized. The world will tell us that we have to work hard, we have to apply ourselves, we you know, it's it, it sweat, it's hustle, you know, that's, that's a big word today, isn't it? That, that, that's how, we, that's how our, our personal, our life mission and vision is accomplished. And, and, and in the workplace and, and uh, wherever else it might be, that's how we do it. Hustle, grit, hard work. We see something different in Scripture of a way that this is accomplished, of, of how growth comes. And in a word, it's sacrifice, okay? In a word... It's sacrifice. This is Jesus speaking in John chapter 12, verse 23. If we can put this up, thank you. And Jesus answered them, 
The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You hear that? But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I doubt your boss has said that to you recently. <laughs> okay? I doubt the blog posts that we read, you know, we, some of us may have read recently of top 10 tips to succeed as this is one of the lists. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Sacrifice. How are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to see God doing this among us? There are going to be some things that we individually and as a church that we're going to have to die to. There are. There are going to be some things that we hold on to individually and as a church that we might go, God, we just choose to release that. There may be things that I have to do for, you know, as a church for us and that. Some, maybe some style things or some things that I've been like, oh, I really want Grace City to be this or to look like this that God will put his finger on and go, Rich, you, you're going to have to die to that. Maybe some things for you. Maybe some things that you want for the church that you're a part of. Man, I, we, 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 we live in such a church-hopping um, consumer-type culture where it's like I'll just bounce around until I find a church that ticks, ticks all the boxes for me. For you to be involved in this might mean you have to sacrifice some of the boxes. It might mean you have to sacrifice the pen. It might mean you just have to go, God, I'm, I'm not going to have my list. I'm not, well, may, may, have sound doctrine on it. Have at least one thing on the list, okay? I mean that, sound doctrine. But other than that, if they're preaching Christ, I'm, I'm going to have grace for pretty much everything else if they're preaching Christ. Okay? Even if there's style things, worship things, life group things, uh, preaching things that I really want. Okay? It's sacrifice. Are there some things that you're willing to die to? Like, I, I don't just mean that in a preacher way of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm genuinely asking you to go away and to consider that. Okay? Maybe there's some career things. Maybe there's some financial things. For some of you, maybe there's some relational things. Some things that you know in order to do this, to be used by God in this, there are some other things that you need, to, you need to set right. This is going to involve sacrifice. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever, loses his li whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world, okay, not, Jesus is not literally saying there, you know, well, Christians should all walk around going, I hate my life. We don't need more grumpy Christians. It's okay. We don't need that. Okay. But it's, it's, it's seeing it in perspective. My life in this age is just, is, is, is just tiny. It's but, a, it's but a breath, right, in comparison to eternity. That's what Jesus is referring to. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus is saying this when? Before he himself went to the cross, right? Before he, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the one who could have been fully within his rights to say, okay, I'm here, serve me. Make this about me. Israel, you've been, you have been waiting for me, and they were. 
They just didn't know it was him. But make no mistake, they had been waiting for him for years. He could have shown up and been completely within his rights to say, let's make this about me. Serve me. This Jesus came, he said, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. This Jesus comes as that seed that goes into the ground and dies, right? And in doing so, does what? Bears much fruit. This is the one that we worship. And this is the one that we get to follow the example of. And this is a privilege. And not only is it a privilege, friends, it's exciting. This is gonna be exciting. We are, we are coming into, we've been for a while, but like, I, I think we're really coming into an exciting stretch of church life. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. I, I really mean that. I say that on behalf of our team. I say it on behalf of Natalia. We love you. We are grateful for you. We love that we get to build together for the glory of Jesus. 